Hey detective, welcome to the Nancy Drew Rendezvous, a podcast where we take a chronological look at all the books in the Nancy Drew Files series. I'm your host Teagues and today's book is case number 30, Death by Design. Case 30, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I felt like I would never get here, but here I am, 30 episodes strong and woohoo. <laughs> so Death by Design actually has a game as well. And I really, really wanted to play the game and compare the game to the book. However, I I own the game, like I got the Nancy Drew collection for Christmas, not last year, the year before. And all the other Nancy Drew games work, no problem. Like, I play it through Steam. However, this one would launch in, like, a tiny little window, and I wasn't going to play Nancy Drew on the size of a screen that was similar to the same size screen as my iPhone. It just wasn't going to happen. And I tried everything to try and make it work. I was Googling to my little heart's content, but could not make it work. So... Unfortunately, I didn't get to play Death by Design. Oh, and speaking of which, I said I was going to play Stay Tuned for Danger, but when I played that game, I got stuck and couldn't get into the studio of the yeah the television studio part that was in there. And even like following walkthroughs didn't even work. Like I missed something. I'm so bad at these games. I just I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, Danger on Deception Island or Bay or whatever it was, that one wasn't too bad. I did have to end up, you know, finding out what to do because I missed one of the messages in a bottle that was a paramount clue into getting to the next section. But besides from that, uh, yeah, I went okay with it. Oh, and then like there's a cave that you have to go through and it's like left, right, left, right, left, right. I'm like, I'm never going to remember this. So like, yeah, just literally read it off the re- uh, the walkthrough rather. Anyway, enough rambling on about how bad I am at Nancy Drew games and let's get straight into it. So Death by Design was released in December 1988. Oh, we're almost coming to the end of the 80s, one more year. So I guess that's about 12 more books until we get to the 90s. And I'm interested to see if it like follows the social trends and changes in the books. Some events that happened in December 1988 include Ben Nazir Bhutto, sorry, I'm so sorry for butchering your name, was the first female minister of a Muslim country, Pakistan. Uh, the Z line was completed on the NYC subway system. I've never been on the Z line. I don't even know where the Z line goes. I probably should have looked that up. Uh, there was a 6.9 on the Richter scale earthquake in Spitak, Armenia, and it kills 25,000 to 5,000 people and leaves up to half a million homeless. That is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I didn't think that a 6.9 was bad, but I guess it really is bad. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, Look Away by Chicago is on top of the Billboard charts and movies released include Rain Man, Beaches, and Top Gun as well as a movie called Twins. Like, I know of all these movies, but I've never actually seen any of them. I'm not a movie person whatsoever. Now, the cover to Death by Design has got an orange theme, and we've got Nancy up front. She looks a little bit older than 18, but she doesn't look like a 40-year-old woman, which is good. She's wearing a two-piece suit, which has a cropped jacket and a skirt. They're both a kind of orangey color, like a really dark peach. Uh, what color would this most represent? Uh... I don't know, the same color as an orange, I guess. And there's a little brown top underneath. In the book, it actually talks about this outfit. Uh, It's not how I imagined it in my head, but if this is the author's or illustrator's interpretation of it, I'll buy it. It also has orange or peachy colored gloves that go with it. We have a a man in the middle. He's wearing whitish creamy colored pants and a brown leather jacket. He's holding a camera. I believe he is Paul, who is a character that we'll be introduced to shortly. And then in the background, which is usually the action scene, we have Nancy passed out on Bess's lap. And this has to be Bess. I don't know who else it could be. Like, actually, I know it's Bess because I read it in the book. 
Anyway, she's wearing a pink fluffy jumper and has blonde hair because we all know Bess has blonde hair. I think this is only the second time Bess has been on a cover. The first time was in Very Deadly Yours. And I believe that was Bess on the cover, not Nancy. I can't be bothered going back and checking, but I'll just say this is the second time that Bess has been on the cover. If I'm wrong, please correct me. More than willing to be open to corrections because... I'm only human and I'm not like a huge Nancy Drew expert like some other people out there. And I'm always happy to be corrected and, you know, taught otherwise. Okay, Death by Design takes place in November and we're closer to home. We're actually in River Heights at the start of this book and the book takes place in Chicago, whereas like the last couple of books, it took place in Washington and on board a cruise ship. So yeah, yay to being closer to home. Nancy doesn't have to go on a vacation. Ned's being actually really, really needy at the beginning of this book, which is unusual. He's got time off school yet again. However, Nancy can't hang out with him because her and Bess are off to Chicago to hang out with the fashion world. Oh my gosh, Bess is going to love this and she's going to be in her element and I love a Bess book, like a book which has Bess in it. We didn't have Bess in the last book, we didn't have George either and I miss the girls and even in the book before that we didn't have them either. So it's been a while, I want my girls back in the books. (laughs) In this particular case, it was George who got it for Nancy. Uh, George met a famous fashion designer called Kim Daly while she was in Chicago the previous week watching some skate finals. I wonder what type of skating. Rollerblading wasn't popular then. Maybe roller skates or skateboarding or figure skating. I literally, actually, now I think of it, it's probably figure skating because it says that Kim designed their costumes rather than their outfits. Okay. All right. Oh my gosh. There we go. It's amazing what happens when you actually sit down and think about what type of skating it might be. Um, We get to learn a bit about Kim when Nancy describes Kim to Ned. Um, She talks about how Kim's designs are all about huge shoulders. Shoulder pads were huge back in the 80s. I'm actually surprised they haven't made a fashion comeback. I guess having a small waist has always been in fashion, but now we just focus on having a bigger butt that gives an illusion of a small waist rather than bulking up our shoulders. Anyway, while Kim and George were talking at the skating, she starts telling George about how she's been receiving death threats and George recommended that she call Nancy to help her out. Nancy gets right onto the case because she needs to put an end of this before her big fashion show, which is occurring in a few days. Despite George finding this case for Nancy, she's not attending to it as she's going sailing in the Caribbean. It's interesting, in the original series and in Girl Detective, they talk about George not having much money at all, so I wonder how she can afford this or if she's getting sponsored. Like back in Never Say Die when George was in that cycling competition, she had to get a sponsor because there was no way that she could even afford a racing bike. So I just, yeah, I feel that George isn't very wealthy Um, I don't know how she's affording a a trip to the Caribbean, but it's a book, so we shouldn't really dive too deep into it, even though that's the whole premise of the podcast. Ned is telling Nancy that she's not allowed to go out for dinner with any cute boys, and Nancy just retaliates by saying, hey, I don't give you a hard time about all the cute cheerleaders at college, which is fair enough. Ned seems to be very jealous, and Nancy just doesn't care about what Ned does unless she sees it with her own eyes. Also, I don't think cheerleaders are the type that Ned is attracted to. Despite the countless tropes of quarterbacks and football players being with cheerleaders, I think he prefers the more intelligent types like, I don't know, Nancy, girls like you. (laughs) A weird thing about this book already is that they're going to Chicago and Ned is going to drive them to the station. Ned's driven Nancy to Chicago multiple times. He drove her to Chicago in False Moves. He drove her to Chicago in Smile and Say Murder. And I'm pretty sure they drove there in Recipe for Murder as well. Anyway, it just, it seems weird. But this is the fourth, oh, by the way, yeah, 
this is the fourth book that takes place in Chicago. In this book, Carson is also on vacation. He's going fishing in Canada, so he's not going to be able to be reached. Oh, okay. That means that something bad's going to happen and Nancy's not going to be able to get help from her dad. I just know. That's just how it always goes. Which leaves Hannah all alone by herself with no Nancy and Carson. I wonder what she does when they're not home. She's got no one to cook for. I'm sure the house is clean. Maybe she can go out and hang out with her friends. Hannah has quite the social life, so that's probably exactly what she does. Bess and Nancy arrive in Chicago, and of course, Bess is hoping that she'll be discovered as a model, but she doubts it because she needs to lose weight which is really sad because things aren't very different these days. Models are still traditionally very thin. The fashion show and the site of Kim's office is the Hamilton Hotel. This is also where the girls are staying. It's a fictional hotel and Nancy calls it elegant and stuffy, but it has great security for Kim. In fact, the girls have to carry passes to show that they are guests of Kim. So Kim's obviously taking these death threats very, very seriously. Once settled in and Bess has had numerous outfit changes, they head to meet Kim and in the elevator they overhear two people, a chubby 20-something-year-old man and a 50-year-old matchstick-thin-looking woman with brassy blonde hair and what you would call a mutton-dressed M as lamb talking about Kim. He told me Kim was a total slave driver, says the woman. Half of her staff has quit already. I've heard that too, answered the man. Kim's all smiles for the press, but when no one's around, it's no wonder she has so many enemies. Hearing the word enemies made Nancy's ears prick up, and yet again, Nancy has had the luxury of being in the right place at the right time. Fancy that. It's like, oh, turns out Kim's got enemies. I wonder who wants to send her these death threats. Little do you know, Nancy, once you get to know Kim, you're going to realize why she has so many enemies. It turns out the people's names are Luella Teasdale, she's a gossip columnist from Fashion Magazine, and her assistant Oscar Davies. Once they reach Kim's office, they don't allow the fashion editor and her assistant in, but Bess and Nancy are led straight through into Kim's showroom where it's a frenzy of people furiously rushing around and sewing, and there's swatches of fabric everywhere. It's very chaotic to say the least. Kim looks like your typical fashion designer. She's dressed in black with an eccentric lobster earring. She has short black hair with hazel eyes. We learn her assistant's name is Sarah and she has a little Yorkshire called Chanel. She's a fashion designer. Obviously, she names her dog after a fashion powerhouse. I think that's very cute. And I don't know, I named my dog Oscar after an anime. I guess it's good to name dogs after things you love. (laughs) which means I guess when I get my next dog, I should call it like Nancy, George, Bess, Ned. I think I would call it Bess because I love Bess so much. Kim tells the girls that she's received another call this morning and they're all the same messages that if she doesn't look out, she'll be colder than a department store dummy. She's got no idea who it could be and that it could be anyone because everyone's jealous of her. Okay, Kim, calm down with that ego. I think it's because you've got a lot of enemies. Do these people just don't like you because they're jealous of you or is there another reason? Nancy asks Kim if Luella could be the caller and Kim gets angry and tells Nancy not to speak to any press and to keep low key about the investigation. Okay, like chill, Kim. She was just asking a question. Kim's assistant, Sarah, walks into the room with cookies and tea, much to Bess's delight. Kim gives her dog a cookie and a sip of the tea, which is bad because dogs cannot have chocolate and these are chocolate chip cookies because chocolate is poison for dogs. And if you love your dog so much, you should know that. Everybody knows that chocolate is poison for dogs. Anyway, the phone rings and it's yet another threat. Say goodbye to your sweet life daily. You'll be dead by the end of the week. And this will show you that I mean business. The call ends and then a crystal paperwork explodes on Kim's desk. 
Everyone is okay except for Sarah, the assistant, who has a cut under her eye. Kim isn't sympathetic whatsoever and tells Sarah to go get herself sorted out and not to tell anyone what happens because it will ruin her good name. I really don't like this Kim person. No wonder she's getting death threats. You can't just treat people the way she treats people. We're then introduced to Kim's sisters, Morgan, who appears to be another one of Kim's slaves. Morgan is described as being prettier than Kim with thick lashes and chocolate eyes and dark curly hair, but she seems tired and run down from Kim's orders. Morgan hands Kim an outfit that she loves and tells Nancy to try it on. Nancy makes all these comments about not being able to afford it and how she feels like a million dollars. Nancy, I'm sure if you ask your dad, he'll buy this dress for you. The outfit is described as followed. It was a pearl-colored suit of watered silk with a crop jacket and slim knee-length skirt. A black lacy camisole top peeked out from inside the jacket. So this doesn't really match the description of the outfit that Nancy was wearing on the cover. Like when they say pearl colored, I'd expected a white suit with the purple and pink and all that light that usually goes through a pearl colored silk or pearl colored paint on cars. And yeah, not a not an orange colored silk dress or outfit that Nancy was wearing. A pin also pricks Nancy as she tries the dress on. The pin is a ruby clasp thing. Um, yeah, just another ruby jewel. Like this is the second time we've had a ruby jewel on a dress. The Again, in Playing With Fire, there was a jewel that was causing danger to dresses. So we like to stick with jewels and especially ruby jewels being dangerous in these books. Kim absolutely loves the outfit on Nancy and insists that she wears it out to lunch. On the way to lunch, they run into a man called Paul Laval. He's Kim's ex-boyfriend. She brushes him aside after some small talk. It seems that she doesn't really like him. They arrive at a super fancy restaurant filled with the who's who of the fashion world. Sitting in the restaurant include people such as top male model Apollo. I guess he's just got the one name, kind of like Madonna. Uh, a fashion writer from the Times, who is a woman, but she doesn't have a name. There's Luella Teasdale and Oscar again, who we met earlier. And lastly, outrageous fashion designer Lisa, R- Lena rather, Rock. Conini, who's wearing a yellow leather suit and too much makeup and has spiky hair. They greet each other, both pretending to like each other, but they are clearly rivals. So, you know, that whole fake thing, Kim and Lena pretending to be like, oh, hi, darling. Oh, how fabulous. You know, that's the stereotypical way that fashion people talk to each other. But yeah, it's all fake. Nancy and Kim order a salad and Bess begins to but then follows her true desires and orders a turkey croissant, chocolate shake and fries. Yay, Bess. Don't be peer pressured into getting a salad if you don't want a salad. Nancy's not feeling too good. She starts shivering and can hear ringing in her ears and before she can take a bite of a salad, she passes out. In my head, I imagine Nancy passing out and her head falling into the salad but in fact, she just fell to the floor. So I feel bad for like laughing at imagining Nancy passing out. But <laughs> I mean, come on, someone's face falling into a salad. <laughs> anyway, so why has Nancy passed out? What happened to her? Has she been poisoned and how? It didn't say that she had any of the cookies or teas. Hmm, I wonder what caused her. Maybe she's just sick. Anyway, Nancy wakes up. She refuses to go to the hospital and puts it down to having a virus. Nancy, you really need to stop being such a tough cookie all the time and just go and at least get tested. You don't just collapse for no reason. Like if I fainted and felt really sick beforehand, you can bet I'm rushing my booty right to the doctor. (laughs) Um, So Nancy goes and has a nap and Bess fills her in with everything that happened while she was sleeping, all while swooning over Paul, Kim's ex-boyfriend. Seems that Bess has a little crush. Surprise, surprise. Um, Bess also thinks that Lena might have a crush on Paul as well. I wonder what's so good about this Paul guy. He doesn't look that good on the cover. (laughs) They figure that Lena might be behind the phone calls. 
Kim is her biggest rival and the ex of her crush. So, yeah, that makes sense. Lena is our first suspect. (laughs) Morgan comes over to check on Nancy and we learn that Morgan deals with the day-to-day admin of Kim's business. Kim does all the creative stuff and Morgan appears to be quite happy with the arrangement. But Nancy feels as though there might be a grudge. Morgan doesn't say much else as she's covering for Sarah who took the afternoon off after, you know, the crystal obviously exploding and cutting her face. Kim barges in shortly after with no regards to Nancy's health and instead shakes around a newspaper with an article that's been written by Luella telling the world that Kim is receiving death threats. So she's super, super mad, uh, but still rude that, you know, she doesn't even care about Nancy's health, which just I really don't like Kim. So what does this article say that's got Kim so mad? Let's read it. What famous, or should I say infamous, high fashion teen designer with the initials KD has been on the receiving end of nasty phone calls? Yes, it's true. The as yet unidentified caller may be a disgruntled customer, but who would make death threats just because a design was bad? Far more likely that KD has been lording it over too many people. She certainly has a reputation for treating some folks pretty shabbily. The high point of this sudsy soap opera came today when somebody exploded a crystal paperweight in KD's office. My advice to KD, don't look into any more crystal balls. One, that like... Oh, it just reminds me of reading gossip magazines back in the day where they didn't ever put any names, but, you know, they kind of alluded to who it was. And second of all, how does Luella know all this? Maybe she's the one behind everything since Kim won't talk to her. Morgan seems really scared of Kim and insists that she didn't say anything to Luella and Oscar and Kim just screams at her. I think Nancy should get off this case. Kim is a horrible person and Nancy shouldn't work for horrible people like this. And then Kim, after noticing Morgan is wearing a piece of jewelry identical to the ruby piece on Nancy's outfit, slaps Morgan in a fit of rage after accusing her of copying everything that Kim does. Okay, you can't just slap your sister like that, uh, Kim. That is not cool. Nancy, please just leave. Don't work for people like this. But of course, Nancy stays. Kim storms out and Morgan keeps insisting that the pins are different, but Nancy doesn't believe that they are. And then when Morgan leaves, Nancy is more concerned about the fact that Morgan says the jewels are different rather than the fact that Kim is a monster. So yeah, Nancy's like, oh, why would Morgan lie about these identical jewels instead of being like, whoa, how bad is Kim? She just slapped her sister in front of everyone. I don't think I can work for such a horrible person like that. Like this is really frustrating me about the book that it's just acceptable to help people like this. I don't know. Nancy's got too much of a heart of gold and I don't feel like Kim's ever going to redeem herself, but who knows? Maybe she'll surprise us and redeem herself. Nancy and Bess then go out to buy all the gossip magazines to read all the stuff being written about Kim to see if they can get any idea of, you know, how bad Kim actually is and who would want to send death threats to her. Well, it seems like everyone wants to write death threats to her because I don't blame them. They go through all the magazines and find the most vicious article, which is in a Tatler magazine, which is actually a real magazine. However, in uh, the book, they spell it differently just to avoid, you know, copyright issues, I guess. Um, I Googled them to see if they actually still existed. And I found it amusing that their tagline is the original social media because It seems like that gossip columns kind of were the original social media, you know, talking about other people. Um, Anyway, so I clicked through to the website and lo and behold, there was an article about a Napoleon and Josephine exhibit, uh, which I was just like, whoa, that just happened in uh, Playing With Fire a couple of episodes ago that they were mentioned. I'm like, oh, you know, coincidence, coincidence. However, I went through like the article and scrolled through it and there was no red dress in this exhibit and I was quite disappointed. (laughs) 
Anyway, I digress. The author of the column is a lady called Bronwyn Weiss, and her article reads as follows. Someone has it in for Kim Daly, our town's would-be trendy designer of exclusive teen wear. A possible incendiary device was planted in Daly's office. Things are such a mess in there that the police could find no sign of the device this afternoon. The police only learned of the explosion after this reporter called to confirm a bomb rumour. The message is clear though, Kim Daly. Get out of the business before it's too late. The only question I have is why did it take this mystery person so long to do what many have wanted to do since Kim Daly became a star? I don't know. I don't find that bad at all compared to Luella's article. I don't know why they're making such a big deal out of it. So Bess throws around the idea that it could be a publicity stunt and Nancy, bless her heart, won't have a bar of that theory. I mean, it would make sense. Bess seems to be like fame hungry and if she makes up all these stories her name gets out there and you know what they say there's no such thing as bad publicity it's time to talk to lena the number one subject subject <laughs> the number one suspect and her assistant allison harbour answers the door we don't learn much about allison's appearance except that she's plump uh -huh, and has glasses Alison tells the girls that Lena is not in and Nancy asks if she can come in and leave a note. Suddenly, Paul walks in with a bunch of photos and he says to the girls, oh, yeah, you're probably wondering why Kim's ex-boyfriend is now working for the competition. Paul claims that he made Kim who she is today because he's such a great photographer and he was hurt when she dumped him. So he went to work with Lena, who appreciates him more which totally makes sense. Nancy feels like Lena might actually be in the suite because she can hear people walking around and wonders if Lena is hiding. Alison is doting over Paul like a lovesick teenager and is jealous when Paul tells Nancy that she'll look great in one of Lena's designs. Poor Bess as well. I bet she's jealous that no one is telling her how great she would look in designs and asking her to model the clothes. Nancy gets everything. I feel so bad for them sometimes. Like, Bess just, I just want some good stuff to happen to Bess. Why can't Bess be living her model dreams? <laughs> Paul wants to show Nancy and Bess some of the designs and Alison gets very defensive saying, no, you can't show them those. You can't show them that. And Paul tells her to go and get some photos printed and she leaves. While Paul is off to find the sketches to show Nancy and Bess, Nancy notices some fancy electronic equipment and even a machine that distorts voices. Paul freaks out when Nancy asks about them and tells the girls to leave as he's busy. What a weird reaction. He covers it up by saying it's expensive and that he doesn't want it broken, but I'm really not buying that excuse at all. Nancy believes that Paul might be the one making the calls or at least know who it is. They leave and then they head to Kim's suite and take the stairs, but Nancy struggles to take the stairs. She brushes it off and puts it down to the virus sticking around. Or well, maybe, yeah, maybe she just is sick, like, I guess you do feel really weak and a bit faint when you've got a virus. I don't know. We'll see. Suddenly they hear a shriek and the words, she's dying, comes from Kim's room. They all rush in and poor dog Chanel is not in good shape. She went weird after having some of Kim's tea and they suspect it might be poison, which I guess was actually supposed to poison Kim and not the dog. It's a shame that the dog got poisoned because I don't blame people for wanting to poison Kim. But this is interesting. Maybe Nancy's poisoned too, but I don't recall her drinking the tea. Um, unfortunately, Morgan has thrown out the trash, which included the teacup that Chanel drank out of, so they can't test it for poison. Kim doesn't want to answer any questions because she's obviously mad and upset about her dog and I don't blame her. If anything happened to my dog, Oscar, I would be a mess too. I'm actually surprised that Kim didn't go to the animal hospital with Chanel because if that was me, I'd be rushing there. 
I don't know, Kim. I like actually, I'm not even going to argue. There's no mistaking that Kim loves her dog. I'm not going to judge people on how much they love their pets or what they do. It's everyone's personal decision. Lena, Paul, and Allison all walk in to find out what all the commotion is about. I guess Lena was in the room after all, and they feel bad when they are told that Chanel might be poisoned. When they leave the room, Nancy and Bess follow them and overhear Lena saying that she wishes Kim was poisoned instead of the dog and that she wishes that Kim would die. Paul calls Lena out on this and says that it's such a horrible thing to say and this causes Allison to be clearly jealous or upset that Paul has defended Kim and then tells both of them that she's going on a walk and storms off. This Allison lady really, really, really has it bad for Paul. Lena then notices that Bess and Nancy have been walking behind them and Nancy tells Lena that she's not following them and that she would like to talk to her and also that she's investigating Kim's death threats. Well, Nancy, why did you blow your cover? Why did you do that? And also, Kim told you not to tell anyone that you were investigating. This is such an unusual, out-of-character thing for Nancy. So, of course, Lena's probably going to be all weird if she's actually the one responsible for them. While talking to Lena, Nancy notices that she's wearing a pin identical to the ruby pin that Kim had on her design and which Morgan was wearing. Lena doesn't buy the story that Nancy's investigating death threats and then thinks that Nancy is going to steal Lena's designs and rushes off to call security. Thankfully, Nancy and Bess manage to calm Lena down and insist that she's not a spy. And then Nancy asks about the pin. However, Lena isn't wearing one and neither Bess or Paul remember her wearing one. Nancy's feeling off again, so she assumes that she imagined it or that Lena quickly removed it when rushing for security. Okay, is Nancy seeing things or did Lena actually remove it? Who knows, like Nancy is feeling off color at the moment. Maybe she is getting hallucinations. Nancy knows that she needs to relax and has a glass of milk in the bath, which I find absolutely bizarre. I can't say I've ever had milk in the bath. Usually it's a glass of wine or a cocktail or maybe even a cup of tea if I'm feeling not that great. Have you had a glass of milk in the bath? Is it weird or am I the weird one for not having a glass of milk in the bath? (laughs) After the bath, Nancy goes to bed and she has this really weird dream where she's walking down a runway at a fashion show wearing a gown. Then Kim rushes out because it's missing the pin and puts it on the dress. Again, this pin, what is happening with this pin and why is it so important? Nancy isn't feeling any better the next morning and after her shower finds a note underneath the door. It reads, Dear Nancy Drew, I'm sorry that I can't reveal my identity, but in a minute you'll understand why. My case is not against you. I'm sure you're a nice person. You just got in the way accidentally and I'm really sorry. It's not really my fault though. Blame Kim, not me. Please take this very seriously and do what I tell you. Get to a hospital straight away. The poison wasn't meant for you, but it's fatal. If you're not treated within 72 hours of the time you get the dose, you'll die. Whoa. Okay, it's been 24 hours since she's been poisoned, so hopefully Nancy can get help in time. But when did their poisoning actually happen? She didn't drink tea like Chanel's dog did. Uh, Yeah, so how did she get poisoned? Nancy starts panicking, realizing that she doesn't have a virus, she's actually dying. And then she calls Ned, who tells her that he'll be right there, and then she calls Hannah to see if she can get in contact with her father to no avail. She doesn't tell Hannah what's going on. See, I knew it. I said at the start that, you know, Carson's unavailable, so Nancy's going to be in a dire, like, dangerous situation. Sometimes these books are so predictable, but that's what I love about them. (laughs) Nancy leaves a note for Bess telling her to take the note to the police and to check it for fingerprints and then rushes to the hospital. After an hour waiting in the emergency department, she finally sees a doctor. I'm glad emergency departments are the same in the USA as they are here in Australia. Unless you're bleeding profusely or unconscious, it's a long wait. The doctors do blood tests on Nancy Um, And then an hour later, it's confirmed she's poisoned, but they don't know what poison she's been poisoned by. So there's no antidote available. 
Oh my gosh, that would be so scary. The least the poisoner could have done would have been like, oh, by the way, here's the poisoned. After all, they did go to all the effort to tell Nancy that she had been poisoned. How rude. But then again, I guess it defeats the purpose because, you know, if they do manage to poison Kim, then they know what the antidote is and they'll be able to save Kim. All right. Okay. I guess that makes sense. The hospital wants Nancy to check in, but she refuses and explains that she needs to solve the case and if she finds out which poison is used, it will save two people. The doctors agree to let her out and that they'll call her as soon as they know what the antidote is. Having a cell phone would be super duper handy right now. I guess Nancy doesn't want to wander too far from the hotel, so they should be able to reach her easily. Nancy walks back to the hotel from the hospital And while walking, she believes that the tea and cookies held the poison. However, she was confused why Bess and Kim didn't have any effects, but the dog did. Because remember, the dog drank the tea. Uh, I also went back and checked to see if Nancy and Bess actually ate cookies or tea, but the book didn't mention it. Nancy then walks past a fancy dress store and notices some of Kim's designs on a rack. It's one of those super duper fancy stores that you need to press a buzzer in order to get in and then you're only let in if you have an appointment or if you look rich. Despite being in the process of dying from poison, the lady lets Nancy in and Nancy looks at the dresses. So yeah, like you need to look rich, but they let someone who's dying and probably looks like a drug addict because she's dying off the st- off the street and into this fancy store. <sighs> Some things in this book. Again, Nancy with all the luck. Nancy looks at the dresses closely and now is confused because she knew that the dress design was a one-off. However, this dress is now in the shop with the shop's label, not Kim's. I'm actually surprised Nancy knows so much about the fashion world. At the beginning of the book, she gave Ned the 411 on who Kim was and now she knows this particular dress is a one-off. I swear Nancy is either a walking encyclopedia or she spent the train ride into Chicago reading up on Kim, which would probably make more sense. Nancy is pretty good when it comes to research and she does do a lot of research when it comes to her cases. Nancy asks the shopkeeper who the supplier is. She wants to know who is copying and selling Kim's designs, but the shopkeeper doesn't say and Nancy leaves. When Nancy gets back to the hotel, Bess, bless her heart, is an absolute mess and I do not blame her whatsoever. Nancy is poisoned and tells Bess via a note. Sometimes Nancy can be so selfish. Like Nancy saw Bess in the hotel reception when she was on the way to the hospital. Why couldn't you just be like, Bess, I'm being poisoned this is why I need you to take the note to the hospital actually I guess you know Beth read the note and took it to the police station and found out yeah I don't know Nancy should have just told her Hmm. also same with Ned she didn't tell Ned why she needed him to come to Chicago ASAP just that he must hmm just Okay, Teagues, relax. Don't get so invested in Nancy's wrongdoings. You love Nancy. She's a role model to a million people and no one is perfect. Nancy devises a plan to speak to the poisoner and leaves a note on the notice board of the hotel. Then she heads to lunch with Bess, making the usual jokes such as, oh, how can you eat at a time like this? And Bess saying, oh, I'm always thinking of food, so on and so forth. Everyone who is everyone is in the restaurant. Morgan and Kim at one table, Lena, Paul and Allison at another. Nancy tells Kim's her designs have been stolen and Kim explodes. This lady is a ticking time bomb. I swear I cannot stand her. Like, you know, just make a scene in the middle of this restaurant. (sighs) Everyone turns to look at her and she storms over to Lena and starts accusing her. She's absolutely monstrous and Paul and the maitre d' try to calm her down to no avail. She lunges at Lena and starts strangling her. What on earth? Like, Kim, you can't just physically attack people like this. Everyone pulls her off, only for Lena to then slap her right across the face and screams, I'm no fifth. You're such a sore loser. You just can't stand the thought that I'm becoming a bigger success than you. And then storms off. 
Nancy noticed that the way Lena screamed certain words sounded exactly like the voice on the phone call, and this convinces Nancy that Lena is the poisoner, which is weird because Nancy just jumped to conclusions. Yes, Lena may have been the caller, but when would have she had a chance to poison Kim? Sarah could be the poisoner because Sarah was the one that brought in the tea and cookies if that was the way that Nancy got poisoned. However, we know the dog definitely got poisoned from the tea or cookies, but we don't know if Nancy did. So, yeah, I just don't like how Nancy didn't consider the fact that Lena wouldn't have had a chance to poison them. A couple of hours later, Ned arrives and Nancy breaks down and sobs about how scared she is of dying. I'm always surprised when Nancy is vulnerable. I'm glad that they do show that side to her sometimes and that she's not just an emotional robot, which a lot of the times it feels like she is. Nancy checks in with the hospital and the pet hospital to find out if they've identified the poison with no avail. However, the heartbreaking news is that poor Chanel has passed away, which makes me so sad. Dogs dying in movies, books, it's like it absolutely breaks my heart. Ned and Nancy discuss the case and they figure Nancy was poisoned when she tried on the dress that day. She remembered that the pin pricked her and that's when she got poisoned. From this, she figures it's still Lena who is responsible as she also had the pin and her voice matches the phone call. Okay, fair enough. Lena had an identical pin, which she could have maybe swapped out with one that had poison on it. I guess that's reasonable and a fair conclusion to come to, not just Nancy thinking that Lena's a poisoner because she made a phone call type of thing. Nancy just doesn't tunnel vision on Lena and does consider other suspects, including Paul and Allison. Paul because he's angry that Kim dumped him and treated him so badly, and Allison because she's jealous that Paul focuses so much time and attention on Kim instead of him. They briefly consider Morgan as she also had an identical pin. This pin confuses me. Why would all three of them have one, and why would they use that as the poison? I'm lost. I feel like I'm the worst detective. Bess is tasked with taking the pin to the hospital for analysis and Ned and Nancy go to see if the poisoner read the notes and waits for them in the assigned meeting place. Paul and Allison appear and Nancy starts accusing Paul, claiming that he poisoned her. Allison says that it's insane and then Paul says, yeah, it's insane and begins to walk out and then Ned rages. Where are you going? He asks. You try to kill my girlfriend and then you call her crazy? And then Ned swiftly punches Paul in the stomach. Wow, Ned and that toxic masculinity. Paul falls and hits his head and Allison screams at Ned that he murdered him. Ned instantly regrets it and then Nancy passes out yet again. When Nancy wakes up, Ned is getting taken away by the cops and Paul is getting carried into an ambulance and Allison is still in hysterics, again blaming Ned for almost murdering Paul. This girl is in love for sure. I wonder if Paul has any idea that she has feelings for him. Nancy goes back to the hotel to get some more rest and Bess tells her when Nancy wakes up that she couldn't find the pin despite the best efforts of her and Kim searching for it. Bess mentions that Kim is still distraught about Chanel and this causes Nancy to worry and panic again about how poisonous this poison actually is and that she's dying. There's also a note that Bess was given to give to Nancy. Now I know that you deserve to be poisoned just as much as Kim does. You can forget about the antidote too. You're just as bad as Kim is and you'll die the same way she will. I'll get you in the same ways I mentioned in my letters to her. Yeah, this is 100% Alison. She's mad that Ned almost killed Paul, the love of her life. Why else would somebody be so angry at Nancy? Nancy notices the part about letters to Kim and realizes that Kim never received notes. Interesting. Nancy considers that it might be two people involved in this case that are trying to hurt Kim or possibly three if you consider the stolen designs. I don't know. I still think it's Alison who is upset because she loves Paul, Paul loves Kim and Kim treats Paul terribly. Thankfully, Nancy is still going to consider everybody and not just narrow in on Alison. 
Nancy rules out Paul because he was in the hospital so he couldn't have written the note. Nancy theorizes that Morgan could be the poisoner. She has access to both the exploding paperweight and the pin. And as for the stolen designs, I'm going with Sarah for this one. I wouldn't be surprised if all five of them were involved in like this whole take Kim down. Kim is a monster after all. Nancy calls the police to check on Ned only to find out that they are not releasing him and instead charging him with assault and battery. Somehow, I feel like Ned will get out of this. Carson will probably come in and save the day. Do you think so? Do you think that's going to happen, detectives? Nancy is feeling really bad about all of this because it's all her fault. No, Nancy, it's not your fault at all. Don't blame yourself for a man's anger problem. That is his problem, not yours. Nancy wants to speak to Morgan, but she can't find her. When Nancy asks Kim where Morgan is, Kim asks about the poison. And when Nancy tells her there is no news, Kim rudely replies with, oh, so I guess we just wait around for you to die too. Oh my gosh, Nancy, please just leave. Don't be a doormat. You don't deserve to be treated like this, especially after being poisoned. Kim has no respect, nor does she care about you. You took the poison meant for Kim and she's treating you this way. I don't, I'm so mad that Nancy didn't leave. Nancy finds Morgan in the hotel pool swimming and when Morgan leaves the pool, Nancy straight out goes up to Morgan and says, I know all about it and I think you're in over your head. Come on, tell me the truth. So Nancy's going with a theory that Morgan's responsible and pretending that Nancy knows that Morgan is responsible, waiting for Morgan to spill her guts. This causes Morgan to freak out. However, not because of the poison. She knows nothing about that, but instead because she let Lena into Kim's workshop. And if Kim would ever find out about it, Kim would kill her. So because Nancy now knows that Lena was in Kim's workshop, she deducts that Lena was responsible for the poison. However, Morgan says that's not possible because the designs were with Morgan and the dress with the pin were at the presses and the presses kind of like a person that irons or dry cleans dresses before they are worn on the runway. So off to the presser they go. The presser's name is Raphael and Nancy gets excited. Anyone could have gone in there and poisoned the pin, including Lena. They make plans to go to Raphael's and question him as soon as possible. Back at the hotel, Nancy waits for Bess to get ready and sits out on the windowsill. However, Nancy gets dizzy and falls out the window. However, our little Bess, who is usually called weak, manages to turn into Wonder Woman and save Nancy by pulling her back inside. So yay, Bess, I love you heaps. On the way to Raphael's, they stop by Kim's to get the address and Kim, of course, is being rude and nasty to a famous model. The model is wearing one of Kim's outfits, which is described as a metallic scarlet tube top and bike shorts. Speaking of bike shorts, bring them back. They are so comfy. I live in yoga pants in winter, but now it's summer and I really need to pick some up, (laughs) especially because when I go on my daily walks, I'm wearing yoga pants and the top half of my body is really, really brown and tanned and the bottom half is pasty white. So if I get some bike shorts, maybe Maybe I can even up this tan. They get the address to the presses and when they arrive, Raphael gives Nancy the usual, oh, you're so young and pretty to be a detective. Actually, now I think of it, that hasn't actually been said to Nancy in a while, so I guess we're overdue for it. After explaining the situation to Raphael, Raphael insists that no one except for his staff have access to the outfits or any of the accessories, and he calls in his assistant, Miss Swang, to clarify this. Miss Swang walks out and Nancy thinks that she looks really haggard and has an outfit that seems to be picked at totally random, consisting of an electric blue polyester shirt, a dark green wool cardigan, a red corduroy skirt, and expensive-looking alligator shoes. I don't know, maybe that's just high fashion. Fashion people always wear unusual outfits. 
Miss Wang said she remembers the outfit in question. However, there was no pin with the outfit. So why would Megan lie or why would these people lie? These people seem to be really serious about their business and they value security. So I'm going to assume that they weren't lying and Morgan was lying about the pin. Raphael gets annoyed that Nancy didn't trust the security of the place and asks them to leave. Nancy starts feeling ill again, so they head back to the hotel only to find Ned. Paul has decided not to press charges, so it's time for all three of them to get back on the case. We're back to asking, who stole the designs? Who made the calls? Who poisoned Nancy? Nancy is still convinced it's Lena, so they head over to her room to question her. However, she's not there. However, lo and behold, the door is unlocked, so they snoop around. That is just so lucky. Even though, even if the door was locked, though, I'm sure Nancy would have just broken in anyway. Inside Lena's room, they discover a typewriter. Oh, man, this is so old school typewriters. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, in the typewriter, there is a note being written to Bronwyn Weiss, the gossip columnist from Tatler, who wrote that horrible article about Kim earlier on in the book. The letter reads, Kim Daly's at it again. What some designers won't do for publicity, she's the one behind all the rumours that someone has been making death threats to her. Can you believe it? She even poisoned her own dog to make the whole thing more believable. I know it sounds incredible, but I was there at the time. And it doesn't even stop there. She's hired a private detective to look into these threats just so her story would be more convincing. It's pretty sad, really. All this fuss just to take away the attention from the fact her show is going to be so pathetic. Hope this will come in handy for your column. So Lena is the one spilling the dirt, and this makes Nancy believe that Lena isn't the poisoner because why bother to write a poison pen letter when they were using real poison? Okay, I guess that makes sense. So we know it's not Paul, it's not Lena, and it's not Morgan. I still don't know why we think it's not Morgan. However, that just leaves Alison. However, I don't think Nancy's actually trickled onto the fact that it could be Alison. Nancy goes to bed that night and wakes up at 7am the next day and she is furious that she wasn't woken up earlier. It is, after all, her last day alive if they don't find the antidote. All right, this is getting super serious now. The doctors even tell Nancy that they have until mid-morning to identify the poison or they won't be able to prepare the antidote in time. Yikes. I feel like Nancy may pass out and think that she's dying, but she will wake up and they would have figured out the poison just in time. I mean, I could be wrong. The book could end a totally different way, but that's my theory. Nancy's determined to find out who is responsible and is determined to speak to everyone. So they head down to the Palm Court restaurant where it appears the entire fashion world is having breakfast. First off, she speaks to Paul. Apologies are given and when asked about the voice to stutter, it turns out it was for the fashion show. Paul only got so defensive about it because Kim wasn't to know about it. They didn't want anything about Lena's fashion show getting spilled. Alison appears super upset that Nancy, Bess and Ned are with Paul after he promised that they would have breakfast alone and storms off to another table. Nancy then passes out again and when she wakes up she's surrounded by shoes and takes notice of a pair of alligator shoes. Nancy then realized if someone wanted to poison Kim or steal one of her designs all they had to do is probably go and get a job at the presses. However, this person who got a job at the presses and made the same mistake of wearing the same shoes both to the presses and to breakfast that morning. Nancy looks up to see who the poisoner was. Lo and behold, it was Alison. I knew it. Yay, I finally solved a mystery before everybody else. I have the worst luck when it comes to this. Like lately, I haven't been able to figure out who the culprit is, but now I figured it out before Nancy. Nancy puts two and two together. She figures that Miss Wang looks so weird because she was in disguise and it was actually Alison. I give Alison props. This is actually kind of a genius idea. Nancy yells out to Alison and Alison starts bolting. Paul, Kim, Ned, Bess, Lena and Nancy all chase her and corner her in the ballroom. So you're the one that tried to kill me, you little worm, hissed Kim. You're not going to get out of this one. They're going to put you away forever. Alison starts screaming. She's crazy. Help me, Paul. 
Help you, Paul said. Why would I do that? You tried to kill the woman I loved. Alison burst into tears. It's not true. Tell me it's not true. You don't love her. Nancy tells them all to chill. She just wants to know what the poison is so she can get her antidote. But instead, Alison tells a sob story about how she loves Paul because he was always nice to her when everyone else was rude. Alison tells Kim that she hates her and hates how she was using Paul and that she deserves to die and that she would have a better chance with Paul if Kim was dead. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, Alison, this is wild. So how did Alison go about it all? Well, it turns out that Morgan had told Alison how careless Kim was with jewelry and she took her chance and got a job at the presser and didn't log the pin when the dress was dropped off. She then poisoned the pin and returned it with the dress which then pricked Nancy when she tried it on. She figured she'd use the pin because she knew Lena and Morgan had the same one and it would mean that either Lena or Morgan would get the blame. Yeah, okay, that's a bit weird. Why would she think that it would poison Kim? Designers don't wear their own clothes, models do, which is really, really stupid of Alison. So Alison again begs to know what the poison is. However, Alison goes all Romeo and Juliet on the crew and poisons herself with a cloth. Now Alison and Nancy are both dying with no idea what the poison is. However, Nancy, our girl, is smart and tells Paul that the only way that Alison will want to stay alive is if Paul says that he loves her and will be with her. So what does Paul do? He rushes over to Alison and so like, Alison, I love you. I love you. I don't want you to die. We're going to be happy together. Please just tell me what poisoned you. And with this knowledge that she's going to be with her boyfriend or the love of her life rather, she tells Paul what the poison is before passing out. So yay, we know what the poison is. We need to go to the hospital and get an antidote. Thankfully, Nancy was saved just in time. She wakes up the next day, I believe, and the hospital fills her in about how lucky she is and Ned has left her flowers and everything is going to be okay. Yay! Woohoo! I'm so glad for that. But what about Alison? Alison took a lot more poison than Nancy and while is alive is very, very sick. However, she will be well enough to stand trial eventually. And what happens to her depends on whether or not she realizes what she has done. So I guess they're trying to say if she's got the mental capacity to go through the trial or not. If you are like poisoning people, it means that you are, I guess, not of all sound mind or maybe the poison affected her mind. I don't know exactly what the book is getting to with that. Kim walks in and Kim makes amends to everybody She starts talking to Morgan and realizes how harsh she's been to Morgan and promises to be better and gives her a pay rise. And then she looks at Nancy and says, and now I'll say what I really came here to say. I hate apologizing, but I apologize to her and I'm apologizing to you too. You saved my life and I'm going to try to live it like a better person from now on. Thank you. Okay, whatever, Kim, I still don't like you but I hope that you've learnt your lesson and you are a better person and not to treat people so badly. However, what about Lena? Well, it turns out, yes, Lena was the one making threats. Yes, Lena stole the designs. And yes, Lena set up the paperweight to explode in Kim's office. All right, so Nancy was half right. Yes, Kim... Sorry, should I say Lena was responsible for all that, but Lena wasn't the poison. So forgive me, Nancy, you were right. I was wrong. So yeah, like Lena might get away with it at trial, but you know, her reputation as as a fashion designer is ruined. Uh, Carson eventually learns about Nancy and asks if he should come home. And Nancy says, no, keep fishing. There's all these lovely, sweet moments between Nancy and Bess saying, I love you. Thank you so much for saving my life. Yes, good work, Bess. You are the best. (laughs) I love you, Bess. I'm sorry. I've got to stop being Bess's number one fan. But yeah, she's just great. She's always saving the day. 
And the book ends with Ned and Nancy having a smooch and telling her to get better because there's more cases to solve the end. Woohoo, bravo. I absolutely love this book. I'm going to give it five stars, mainly because I knew who the suspect was. Well, I knew who the poisoner was pretty early, but I didn't realize that it was Lena responsible for everybody else. I like that it was set in the fashion world. I'm glad that Bess had her moment to shine by saving Nancy. And it was weird that Nancy's life was actually on the line the entire book. That was a really, really good spin to put on things. So yeah, really, really stoked. There were no hookups in this book. There hasn't been any hookups for ages. I don't know what's happening. I remember so many more hookups. So our total stays at 62 with George at three and Ned, Nancy and Bess all on four. As for near-death experiences, well, Nancy got poisoned, so that was a major one, and she almost fell out the window, so we won't make that to bringing our grand total to 71. Thank you so much for listening, detectives. I will see you next time for case number 31, Trouble in Tahiti.